I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. We really have enjoyed talking to our audience, which is growing every single episode, and we're thankful for that. So we are going to work our way from 20 to, well, we're going to close as we can to 11. But um, if you don't finish today, folks, we will be back to conclude the 20 through 11. And this would be the top NBA players from 1960 to the present. Now, some players are going to really just shoot up the list in the future. It's just that they haven't played too long to be able to bump some of the old timers. So this is very tough, Gary. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was for you, but I struggled. I have more sheets of paper all over the place. This is extremely, extremely hard. Oh no, 10 through one is hard. That was difficult. 10 through one is not gonna be that hard for me. This, this is the real tough one for me. You know, you got a bunch of guys who made the All-Star team 15 times. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, yeah, you got a number of guys who won titles, a number of guys who won MVP awards, right, once or right, twice, whatever. It, it's, yeah, um, it changes now to where they bust drivers or bust riders. <laughs> and, and two, it changes to, um, you know, just what you have seen you know, with your own eyes. Yeah, that's true. That's really what it goes down to. Because it really is. It gets to be extremely, extremely tough. Now, that's on your list. I want to make that clear. That's on your okay. list. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to be happy with one of my picks, but this happens every time we do it, so it's okay. Well, you know, I got some guys hanging in there that, you know, you, you don't even have anywhere near, so that's the thing. Yeah, because they shouldn't be anywhere near. So that's just going to, we're going to see that. There's one or two specific players you're not going to be happy with, but it's okay. My top 10 was difficult, specifically 6 to 10. Oh, mm -hmm. well, you know, we'll catch that at a later time. I want to start with, I'm giving a, an excuse for having this gentleman in the number 20 spot because it doesn't sound yeah, good. That, <laughs> you're right about that you, you may be disappointed in this 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 person's being this person being so low on the list but it's just because he hasn't played as long as some of the others and that is and i love this guy steph curry steph curry oh. is my number 20 and i tell you gary i have sheets of paper here having him as high as 14 and I have him as low. So I, I, he, it's been all over the lot. It's been very difficult for me to, to rank him, but um, I had to settle in at number 20. He's a six time All Star. Now, that is low only because he just hasn't played that long. He has many more years to go. And he has three NBA titles already to go along with two MVP awards already. And so he he has a you know his his future and his is, is is just boundless as far as I'm concerned. He's going to do so much more. Uh, he has one scoring title, one steals title. Three times he's been All NBA first team, two times a second team. And when you say that, those numbers are low compared to the folks that you're going to see from 19 to number one. So that would be one of the main reasons why he is ranked so uh, so lowly here on my list. Overall scoring average, 23.5, shooting 47.8, 47.7% from the field, 43.6% from the three-point line, which is absolutely incredible. 
and making over 90% of his free throws while getting about seven, six and a half assists a game. Uh, Mr. Excitement may be the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. Uh, and that, that says a lot considering all the great players the NBA has had and some of the greatest, some of the great shooters that the NBA has, has that I've witnessed over the last, you know, some odd year since 1960. Uh, so Steph Curry ranks number 20 on my list, Gary, and I, I'm sure you are shocked by that and probably very disappointed. Absolutely. First, you know, let me just say this. Steph Curry is actually number 15 on my list. I'll just tell you that right now. I'm sorry, 14. I have him 14 list. at one time. Steph Curry right now, going into this year, was third all-time in three-pointers made already. He's already the great, you know, he's the greatest shooter ever. He's not really close to me. I guess the only knock that you can say on him is that he doesn't have a finals MVP, which is very surprising. I feel like he should have won his first one, you know, in 2014. I'm sorry, not 2014, 2015. When they beat the Cavs, he was the leading scorer on that team. But they didn't give it to him. They gave it to Iguodala that year. But Steph Curry is the only unanimous MVP in the history of the NBA. Wow. That so is just, just because of that, he needs to be higher on the list. And, you know, he was a part of the last dynasty, you know, the face of the last dynasty with the Golden State Warriors. And they, they should have won three in a row. Should have beaten Toronto, but injuries occurred. But, um, no, I disagree with you strongly. I think that's a little bit of a bias on your side. But okay. <laughs> well, you're gonna really um, dislike the next one. <laughs> let me let me do my okay. twenty, and my twenty is a person that you already mentioned on the list. So the player I have at twenty is John Stockton. Um, you know, I know you mentioned him before. He's all-time leader in assists. He's the all-time steals leader by by a big margin. He's also saw time and assist. But I have him here because he's not a bus driver. He's a bus rider. But, you know, he was a great 1B to Carl Malone's 1A. But, you know, I have John Stockton here. I think the biggest knock on him is the fact that he didn't shoot enough. He was actually probably the most clutch player on those Jazz teams. But he didn't take a whole lot of shots. He only will take about 9 or 10 shots, maybe 11 shots. You know, and he'll make 7 or 8 of them. And he'll shoot 87% from the free throw line. But he won't, you know, but he didn't take, to me, enough shots. So that's why I have him at 20, a great player, um, another player that played in the Michael Jordan era, so he gets the short end of the stick. But to me, he's probably the, the best pure point guard in NBA history, in my personal opinion. And when I talk about pure point guards, I'm really talking about the half-court set, not the full-court set. So for me, John Stockton will be 20. Gary, I think very highly of John Stockton as well. I have him ranked. Uh, a lot higher up on the list, lower in the list, I should say, as far as the ranking would be concerned. As I mentioned before, I just have a problem with a guy who only averaged about 13 points a game, even though he's an assist leader of all time. Simply an outstanding point guard. I agree with all of your comments, but as I mentioned in the past, uh, I, I do not have him rated as highly as, as you would. Number 19. This will also cause you some concern, Gary. We talked about him before. You have him ranked uh, much, much lower on the list. But Algin Baylor is a, is a personal favorite of mine, as you've probably heard more than once. And so I will not uh, repeat the stories. I, well, I will repeat this one aspect of it. He ended my basketball career since uh, when he was general manager of, at the time, the New Orleans Jazz. I was in the rookie camp, and I was the last point guard. Obviously, I was a shooting guard, but he thought I was a point guard. And that was cut by uh, the New Orleans Jazz. Now, you would say I would need to be a 
point guard, considering they already had Gal Goodrich and Pistol Pete Maravich. You know, so uh, they had me in the right spot. They asked me to go on to uh, play in the CBA, decided not to do so. But leaving all that to one side, the guy's an 11-time All-Star, 10-time first-team All-NBA, Rookie of the Year when he went to the NBA. Scoring average, one of the highest of all time in the NBA, 27.4 points a game, shooting about 80% from the foul line and 43% from the field. But an amazing 13 and a half rebounds a game along with 4.3 assists. We've talked about him a, a lot, Gary. So I think that unless you want to add something else other than your disgust over that position, we can move on to your number 19. I do. I do. I have a major problem with this because Steph Curry has two things that Elgin Baylor doesn't have, MVP and a championship. So how is he above him? He has has two things that's very important to a player's career. He doesn't have them. So I don't understand how that makes sense. Well, I'll explain that to you you here. As I said before, I think Steph Curry is going to move up this list very rapidly. But when you compare 11 times being an all-star versus only six, when you compare – 10 times being all first team at NBA compared to three. When you compare 27 points a game compared to 23, when you compare getting almost 13 and a half rebounds and 4.3 assists compared to 4.5 rebounds and 6.6 assists, from all of those measurable statistics, he does not fare that well. Three titles is, is significant. So that does make the scale uh, balances the scale kind of quickly, those three titles and two MVP awards. And so I have them close, you know, one's 20, one's 19, but um, I feel comfortable with having Elgin Baylor in the top 20 of all time. So I'm going to say is this. If you're the greatest to ever do something, you should be above someone that was not even the face of their basketball team. That's just my opinion. Uh, but I'm going to go okay. to 19, and my 19 – is Sir Charles, Charles Barkley, an MVP, leader of the, you know, he led the Phoenix Suns in 1993 finals where they ran the Jordan. Um, I believe he was better with the Philadelphia 76ers because he was the first power forward that really could run, you know, um, from one baseline to the other. I'm sorry, one end line to the other. And he really was a double-double machine. In his third year in the NBA, he averaged 23 points in 14.6 rebounds a game which is just phenomenal for the fact that he's only a 6'5 power forward. 6'5 can be kind of a quote-unquote generous thing to say. But, you know, he was just a tremendous player. And, uh, you know, the reason why I have him here and not higher is just because his career wasn't long enough. I think his prime is better than the, another power forward that I'm going to mention later on in my list. But he just didn't play long enough for me to put him any higher than this. But Charles Barkley actually... Charles Barkley should have two MVPs. I think he's the only player to get all the first place votes and lose mm. the MVP. So I, you know, so he actually should have two MVP awards: one in Philadelphia and one in Phoenix. But you know that did not occur. So I'm going to go with Charles Barkley here at my 19 spot. Well, Gary, surprisingly enough, we we agree. I, I have him, however, in the number 18 spot. I have him a little higher than you. I uh, I love Charles. So Charles is uh, one of my favorite, not just basketball players, but personality on TV. You had a chance to meet Sir Charles Barkley. We had a chance to meet, to meet him at a uh, birthday party for, was it for Shaq's mother that the birthday party was for, Gary, or was it for 
It was for Shaq's yes. mother, yes. We have we have a bunch of pictures about from that event and we met a number of NBA stars there. And Sir Charles took a nice picture with you and a great conversation with him. Uh, just a delightful individual. Um, I think if he ran for office, he would, I don't care what it would be, he would win. <laughs> With the exception of president or vice president, I guess. But anyhow, he was just a, a, a charming guy. Very, just, just enjoyed being around and a great basketball player. I had him at 18. I, I love the fact that he won the MVP award as a 6-5 power forward, so to speak. Uh, five times All-NBA first team, five times second team. Great player. He should have had a championship, should have had another MVP award, uh, getting almost 12 rebounds a game, having led the NBA in rebounding one year. I think Sir Charles is definitely one of the greatest person, pound for pound, that we've seen in the, in the NBA. He's that, he was just that remarkable, and he changed the game and, and, uh, in his own way, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Um, I'm going to jump to my number 18. This one's going to be kind of brief. We already mentioned him earlier. I think you had him in the uh, 20 to 30 list, and that's Moses Malone. I think Moses Malone is uh, probably the, what would you say, the second or third best 76er ever? He's up there. First player to come out of high school. You know, he's one of the best rebounders ever. He's actually fifth on the all-time rebounding list. And, you know, I know we spoke about him earlier, so I don't want to say too much about him, but Moses Malone was a part of the Philadelphia 76er team that won the championship in 1983 that was trying to go 4-4-4, as he would say, even though on one series went five games. But they did a great job against the Lakers that year. They had Magic and Kareem, and they swept them, which is really all the credit to Moses Malone because he had a guard Kareem at that time. And I think he really took the crown from Kareem that year as the best center in the NBA. And he had that crown for a few years. But, yeah, Moses Malone is my uh, number 18. Yes, Gary. I think I had Moses Malone number 21. So we're not that far off. Great player. Phenomenal force within the middle. Couldn't jump that well, but he had his nose for the ball and was always able to uh, get a lot of garbage points as well. So, yes, I, we're pretty close on that one as well. So uh, my number 17, speaking of the Philadelphia 76ers, would be a player who you had on your wall ever since you were, I guess, four or five years old, Gary. I would wish I could put him higher because he was a small guard like, like Wait, myself. Wait, before you continue, but yes. before you continue, before you continue, I want to say that I agree with the placing. Oh, okay. So don't okay. be don't be offended. I have him. Okay, right I have number now. 17 on my list, and that's the great, the great. You're talking about practice? No, you're talking about practice, right? You, you, you're not talking about a game. You're talking about Practice. Alan Iverson. I think he said That's practice right. like 26 times during the interview, like a three-minute uh, second. Yeah. Changed the game yeah. so many ways. He even changed the attire of what basketball players wore, quite frankly. And tattoos, braided hair. I mean, the whole nine yards. 11-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, MVP of the, of the NBA in 2001. Four times he, he won the scoring title at six feet. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Three times the, the Steels champion. He was just an amazing player. You could not stop him. He was fearless. He would go in there among the trees, among the seven-footers. He would score on them. They may knock him down. He would still score. Averaged 26.7 points a game for his career. 78% from the free throw line. 42.5% from the field. And he got 
about 6.2 assists. Very rarely had any help. It was the Allen Iverson show, uh, and they made it all the way to uh, the NBA Finals one year. A great player, not just in the NBA. Allen Iverson was a phenom in high school. In fact, he could have gone on to um, a major college as a quarterback in football. <laughs> the guy went to Georgetown and just lit it up. I mean, he's one of the... Uh, <laughs> Greatest basketball players to ever play at Georgetown, second to only to Patrick Ewing, as some people would say, but maybe even better than Patrick Ewing in his own, in his own way. Uh, obviously, the Patrick Ewing team did win an NCAA title, so I have to give them the nod. And also, our prayers are out to uh, Patrick Ewing. Hopefully, by the time this show airs, I hope that he is in just fantastic health again. So, number 17 for me would be Allen Iverson. And I agree with you. I have him in the same spot, and uh, which is uh, very interesting that we, you know, great minds think alike. But you know, I would add a few things about Allen Iverson's career. That 2001 team, the reason why I have him so high is because I kind of count that as a championship for him. Because that was the worst team on paper I've ever seen. Eric Snow, George Lynch, <laughs> Tyron Hill, and Dikembe Mutombo. Defensive players, but they couldn't score at all. It was absolutely embarrassing. It was literally the Allen Iverson show. And I think he gets a bad rap because of the era he played in. Because he was six feet tall during a very physical era, his shooting percentages are low compared to, you know, players who are playing now, which is low 40%. But he was an absolute scoring machine in the modern-day era. He's the second – he had the second-highest – uh, points per game average wow. in the history of the NBA, wow. which I'm I'm calling the modern era 1980 and on, you know, which is absolutely sensational. And you know, he deserves more credit. To me, the second most influential person in the history of the NBA, in my opinion, everything that you see an NBA player have today, Allen Iverson was really the first player to actually do that. So, I agree with you. Allen Iverson deserves to be number 17 on the list. And uh, No, I want to make some more comments. Uh, his, when he was in high school, okay. he actually led his team to the National AAU Championship. And also, when he played for the Sixers, one, two, three, four, five times he averaged over 30 points a game. Oops. That, I believe, is uh, – what, what is that – where does that rank him, Gary? I only – we looked at that before. Only about two other players have ever. Oh yeah, that's uh, I think that's tied for fourth. That's tied for fourth in okay. NBA history. I think the other three play people. We we haven't mentioned. We haven't so mentioned yet. that way. We so haven't mentioned it yet. Is no. Quite remarkable to be able to uh, put up numbers like that. So, Alan, if the competition weren't so tough for the next sixteen folks, you would definitely be at least in my top ten. If Alan Iverson won a championship, he would be in my. Good top point. 10. Good point. And I think you're right. Yeah, I would probably put him in my top 10 as well. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, 
and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. And who do you have for your number 16, Gary? So my number 16 is a player that you mentioned uh, earlier that I was not happy with you mentioning him so, so low on your list. Dwayne Wade. Oh. Now, now the reason why I have Dwayne Wade here is, you know, for two reasons. One, he, in 2006, he probably had the best finals run that we've ever seen. And the fact that he helped another player that's on our list, LeBron James, he taught him how to win. That's the bottom line, people. He taught LeBron James how to win championships. And he took a step back to allow LeBron James to really become the leader that he you know, is now. Dwayne Wade, if you look at his numbers, you know, are exceptional. He had one season where he averaged 30 points a game. He was really a player that you really had to admire because he was one of those guys that gave it all, all the time. And he wasn't a great shooter, which is very interesting that he was able to average. You know, he had a stretch where he averaged 27, 27, 25. 30, 27, and 20, and 25, and he was not a great shooter. So a lot of it was getting to the basket, taking those hard hits, and knocking down the free throws. But because of his impact to the game and really creating the big three era, the super team era that we had throughout last decade, I'm going to put Dwayne Wade at my 16. Okay, I can appreciate all of those comments. Three titles, 22 points a game average uh, for his career. I can appreciate all those points. I had him ranked... uh, not as highly as you would, as we've talked about him earlier. My number 16 may surprise you, but I do not see this person being any higher than this, even though he would rank as the second leading scorer in the history of the NBA, and that is the mailman, Carl Malone. Carl Malone, a 14-time All-Star, two times he won the NBA MVP award, 11 times. All-NBA, first team. So it's getting tough now, Gary. These last 15 or 16 players, that they, they have some great numbers that they've put up. 25 points a game is his career scoring average while shooting 52% from the field, 74% for the foul line, getting double-double with 10 rebounds on average and about 0.6 assists. And if it weren't for Michael Jordan, you could say he uh, would have a title or two. Um Played with the Lakers in the tail end of his career and still was not able, quite frankly, to deliver. So during his entire career, never got over that hump. Don't want to uh, overly stress that point. But when you're looking at establishing the top players of all time, you have to look at all those factors. You can't just ignore the fact that a person played all that time and finished second or third or fourth every, every year of his career. So 16th, a great place to be. It's a great level. But when you think of the second leading score in history in the NBA, you could see him being higher. And, and also he played with a player who you had in, in your top 20. I had ranked a little lower uh, in John Stockton. But uh, a bruiser, one of the strongest basketball players to play the game. Wish I could rank him higher, but can't. So I actually have Carl Malone at 14, which will be my next one on my list because I already did Steph Curry at 15. And I agree with you. In fact, when I was talking about the best power forward during that time, I mentioned Charles Barkley, but the reason why I gave Carl Malone the edge is just the consistency of Carl Malone. Carl Malone was a consistent basketball player. 
He basically did it every single year. He averaged 20 points a game all the way up until the 2001-2002 season, which is absolutely phenomenal. He basically played 82 games for most of his career. He's probably the first player on both of our lists that is one of the stat kings. And what I mean is, yes, you mentioned his uh, he's second in points, 36,928 points, which is just phenomenal. He's first in free throws made. He's second in field goals made. He's in the top wow. 10 in rebounds. Mm, wow. All time. So he's one of those guys that's one of the stat kings, but because he didn't win any championships, it's hard to put him higher than the teens area. But, no, he's a tremendous player, and I agree with you. Yeah, I had a hard time not putting him higher, Gary. Uh, you have him 14. I could see doing that as well. But, you know, 14 times an all-star, two-time MVP, second-leading score in history of the NBA. I mean, you could say to yourself, this guy should be a lot higher. But Let me add one more thing. I believe his 11 times on the first team is second all-time. I believe all you're right. NBA I history. mentioned Elgin Baylor earlier. He, he had done it 10 times. I, I don't see anyone else who made it that many times. I mean, there are some other people. We're going to talk about them later. But no, great player and could and should be higher, but uh, it's, it's tough. 